0: Everybody loves a good underdog story, a story of the less likely, achieving the most definitely. I'm your host, Chris Norris. Welcome to the Underdog Podcast. Well, Underdog Nation, we are back with a new episode today. I'm excited, took a little couple weeks off uh, for the holidays and then a brand new year. Of 2020, I'm excited to be joined by uh, Stu Nash. Stu had a huge role in the show Underdog. I'm sorry, Undercover Billionaire, as connected to Underdog Barbecue. And today, I'm excited to introduce uh, Underdog Nation to him and get his perspective and let you guys know. Uh, the man kind of behind the character. I didn't even have the pleasure of meeting Stu till the show had already been filmed at the premiere party. So, Stu, uh, I'm excited you're here. Thanks for taking some time for us today. Uh, thanks for inviting me here and having me over to talk. Yeah, absolutely. So, Stu, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, what you do locally for the, the region here in Erie, Pennsylvania.
1: Um, well, uh, I'm a member of the Film Society of Northwestern Pennsylvania, which is uh, regional nonprofit that uh, helps patron uh, film and film production in the area. Local filmmakers. Uh, basically, we help assist people with film. Uh, we also have a, a film grain program that we have at the Bourbon Barrel that we talk about, and uh, that's once a week. Which our new uh, season is starting up, obviously in January. Um, so that's something that's kind of cool that we have going on. Is our it's our main centerpiece program. Um, <clears throat> And then we have the film office and the film office is the program of the film society, but that is uh, where I am the director of that program. And so as the film office, um, my job is to liaison all of these outside productions coming into town and people basically just looking to make films um, or in need of production assistance, uh, all sorts of, uh, uh, you know, services, catering drivers, uh, you know, crew camera, stuff like that.
0: Okay. Interesting. Uh, to be honest, I didn't even know something like this, these types of services, your role existed until I got to know you a little bit better. Tell, tell me a little bit about, I guess, some specific examples of like what kind of films are interested in coming to Erie? What some of the ones that you've worked with over the years, and obviously we're going to get to undercover billionaire later, but tell me a little bit about some of the highlights of what you get to do. Um, well, uh, it's not as glamorous as everyone thinks it is, <laughs> for one thing. Um,
1: we are all volunteers right now, too, and we're working to change that as a nonprofit. Uh, and, but basically, it, it was the idea of John Lyons and Erica Berlin, who um, the – they're our director and president of the Film Society uh, – wanted to emulate Pittsburgh and Philadelphia in the aspect that they have a film office. Um, the state of Pennsylvania has a film tax incentive – and it's basically a huge uh, economic driver uh, for bringing productions outside into the state of Pennsylvania. And Philadelphia and Pittsburgh have been doing this now for, um, I don't know, probably you know, 10 or 15 years offhand. Uh, and the incentive has been in uh, in place since 07, I wanna say offhand again, my dates and what have you. But it's been a great, great uh, impact on the state of Pennsylvania. And right now there's a big push going on through all the state directors, uh, Sharon Pinkerton down in Philadelphia and the Pittsburgh State Film Office with Don Kieser, um to uncap the film uh, tax incentives uh, in the state of Pennsylvania.
0: Very cool. Stu, tell me about wh- why. Why did you get involved with <clears throat> film? Tell us a little bit about your background.
1: Um, well, uh, I went to school out at San Diego State University. Uh, I went to film school out there back in the 90s and then uh circumstances brought me back to erie um and my brother was the chief photographer at one of the local film or excuse me news affiliates and so basically i've jumped from what was film training out on the west coast hoping that i would kind of break into the business out there um, and really learning my uh, initial craft and trade and then coming back here to erie moving into uh, television news And then that I moved over to one of the local school districts. They had it basically a setup identical to cam media, what we're in here today, kind of as far as studio and what have you. And it was across the whole school district. So, uh, and it also encompassed the, uh, township. So it was a government education 2 channel uh, system, which was kind of cool. Um, and then from there, uh, basically that's when I moved into the film society and the film office and, uh, you know, um, since we've done that, um, Undercover Billionaire has probably been the biggest project that we've had to deal with or, you know, have promoted or helped assist it. Uh, but other things are a lot smaller ones like Discovery Channel has come in before with uh, um, Dark Waters, their Discovery disc- detective show, um, various commercials, uh, you know, no major movies really per se. Um, Though we did help assist with a local filmmaker, Tim Larson, and he had uh, shot um, uh, two films uh, and a short. Um, So there's a lot of work going on. And that's why uh, we are forming this film office uh, to help spearhead the fact that we want to attract more businesses to this area. And then answering kind of one of your questions before is like, what are we looking for? Right now, we kind of envision ourselves as the million dollar movies um, uh, location for productions to go to. Pittsburgh and Philly, they can take on big projects, and they are right now. They're really active. I was just spent about a month down there in November, and I got a big dose of Pittsburgh filmmaking, which was really cool. Um, uh, It was a great experience. Uh, But um, Erie has uh, still a little bit of ways to go um, because we still need to uh, have more trained crew, uh, more access to equipment, um, bigger equipment. And when I say things like that, like trailers, um you know infrastructure drivers more caterers i mean really we need a whole it's it's a moving town when a film you know comes into an area uh and uh when they're on location too um if they and, and the one thing that they need to do in this area is have a, a studio that's this is nice for community access what we're in right now but they need like something that's like 50,000 square feet. Sure, you know, soundproof and uh, uh, you know, able to roll trucks into and, and just utilize. And Pittsburgh and Philly have these access points and, and this infrastructure, which is nice. That's right. Really and nice. I don't see why there's any reason why Erie can't get a piece of this too, because um, there's some reports that just came out uh, involving uh, the future of production. You know, Netflix, Disney Plus. You know, the need for content. So, to me, it's kind of like a no brainer that we should at least put some effort into um you know this industry in erie film industry and in promoting it uh to see you know what could happen because um uh it really just takes a strong film office to be able to attract outside productions uh and and show them how beautiful the area is uh the history uh the water access um i mean there's okay, so now I'm going to beat my job about here real quick. Um, my wife and I had the opportunity to sail around Lake Erie, um, the last year. And then this, uh, past summer, uh, we sailed around Lake Ontario. So we literally got a personal view of what the rest of the lakes look like, access, boat access, protection, you know, all sorts of things that come with like a great local, like water resource. And there's nothing like Erie. Nothing wow. like the peninsula at all across Ontario and like in uh, Lake Erie. I mean, there is uh, Putin Bay and what have you, but it's super shallow out there on the west side uh, uh, of Lake Erie. So I mean, and there is that section. So that's a good alternative, you know, spot to shoot. But then there's also us. This great alternative up here, sort of centrally located across Cleveland, Buffalo, and Pittsburgh. Um, yeah. I don't know. I could keep yeah, going. I'm sure
0: you could. This is the pitch that you, you make to, to <laughs> Right. Filmmakers. And right. This, is, this is great. I Which, mean, yeah. So what let's talk a little bit about specifically, let's start with how undercover billionaire discovery channel came to be. You clearly uh, that's your job is to go out to find these productions and to find folks who want to come to Erie and film their movies, to film their TV shows, whatever it have you. What, talk us talk to us about the beginning process how did discovery and why was discovery attracted to this region um for this show in particular right. this okay so we get you know the film office
1: gets about probably 10 calls a week just people asking about locations viability and what have you and we always give them the same spiel i just told you you mm-hmm. know what i mean yeah. our access and what have you and uh and what one out of a hundred pans out, you know, actually, you know, a lot of talk, a lot of phone calls, which is great. I mean, that's how it happens, but you have to be a very attractive spot to bring these people in. And so, uh, back in 2017, November, um, I got a phone call from, uh, I think actually a guy named Daniel who was an assistant, basically just talking about this show that's trying to produce about a documentary about following this gentleman around who's made his bones in his past but he wants to start over again um and you know that was the phone call i was like yeah sure we can help you out come on down we're this you know rust built industrial town you know where we're not i didn't say underdog but you know we're <laughs> like you know true uh spirit you know you know blue collar america um we have a lot of diversity uh we have a lot of disparity you know, I mean, there's, uh, we have a whole range of things here in Erie, not to mention that we're centrally located, like I said, around the three cities and, and just it's, you know, pitching the area. Um, and then I got a future calls from uh, Melinda Sia and Tim Warren, who were basically from then on my main point of contact for the show, which, you know, no one knew back then it was called Undercover Billionaire. It was actually called American Dream. And uh, again, it was the story of American Dream starting over and seeing um, – what one man can do, um, and with his entrepreneurial spirit and, in finding, you know, uh, a way to, uh, start a new business.
0: And that was it. So that's how it all started. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So late 2017, you said, uh, yeah, it was the initial phone calls came in. And, um, so you say you deal with this process quite often. People call and they're interested. They inquire. When did you start to realize that, uh, this actually could happen and that, uh, Tim and Melinda and the production crew were seriously considering coming to Erie. At what point did you think this is like a hot lead, if you will?
1: Well, not to be like a downer or anything, but like, you know, people say, like they say all the time, oh, yeah, we'll be coming, we'll be coming, and one out of 100 pans out. Right. And so I want to say it was 2018 now, and uh, it's January or December, and it's, oh, yeah, we're coming. The flights are booked i mean literally like seven days out i got a phone call and it's melinda and she's like yeah we have to cancel and i was like uh okay you know easy come easy go you know like i've had this phone call in the past and you know you until your their boots on the ground you know what i mean and, and you're talking face to face then you know it's somewhat real and so then um, and they, and that's just it, too. It, it seemed very real prior to that because they had shown up a few times and she and Tim had uh, scouted the area and and just, you know, talked to different people and understood the area and what have you, because, you know, they wanted people to understand. And I think I'm OK to talk about some of this stuff. But, you know, obviously what their main objective was, I think they only told maybe two people, the mayor's office which I'm not even sure it was different. <laughs> the funny thing was, it was a different, uh, uh, you know, mayor at the time. So I don't think any of the information was transferred over anyways right. when they actually hit the ground and actually started recording. So then by then, it was only really me who knew about it. And no one ever came to me and said, this is what it is. But along the way, there are were some leaks and some spillage, you could say. and uh, Not know, an eerie. Yeah, no, that yeah. doesn't happen yeah. here and uh and basically you know you put the pieces together and you know and sure. th- but the thing is too this could have been anything this could have been a horror film this could have been you know whatever a documentary on hunting we would offer the same exact services to any crew coming in and saying you know here stay here eat here need a caterer need a camera person you know so uh, uh you know they ended up telling us that they were canceling i said their lead had uh cancer had basically come out of um uh, remission oh and uh and that you know he needed to take a break and so you know gone dark 10 months maybe you know nothing was heard of you know we went about our business at the film office and just kept you know taking phone calls and then all of a sudden I got a phone call out of the blue hey it's back on we're coming in and of course you know I'm kind of like yeah okay why don't we see (laughs) you you know uh and then they showed up you know and uh uh, they ended up wanting to start and um February or March. I kind of forget now. I think it was maybe March. Yeah. And uh, uh, and it, I'm like, what a horrible time to start. You know, I was like, it's just cold. It's miserable. Um, but they're like, nope, oh, we're doing it. And of course, I'm still under the guise. That this is called American Dream. Okay. And now they're giving me requests to um, help find skilled uh, laborers, uh, craftsmen, tradespeople, you know, across the board, just a gambit of whatever, just be, you know, a whole... Let's get a feel for Erie and the people of Erie and, and what they're all about. And I think that's one point you started interacting sure. with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know they would have a request, we would try to fulfill it as quickly and as you know as efficiently as possible. So, um, uh, I'm trying to think now.
0: So this was early twenty. 20- this
1: was, oh, this was just, Yeah, this they're is. They're fast now, forward. Okay, yeah, so, so fast forward the
0: timing of. Of our conversation is good because I guess about a month or so ago, the article was uh, published in the local newspaper here about Glenn, who is, as you quoted, the lead, the lead actor, I guess, of the of right, this show. Sure. Yeah, that's had, what I would call him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he had had cancer previously. So uh, for anyone who has watched the show, they they didn't really weave that in too much, if, if anything, to the storyline. So it was after the fact that a lot of us found out, oh, wow, not only did this guy – you know, have a lot of money, but he had struggled through cancer and had a feeding tube, in fact, as you know, as as it was revealed recently in this article. So that was the 10-month hiatus was because the cancer had returned. Is that what I'm understanding? And that's why he needed Uh, more time. I was, you know, I don't know details about what happened at all.
1: I mean, um, I did have a friend of mine. uh, Actually, let me rethink that. I guess what I'm trying to say here is that... um, I knew what Glenn's real name was in Mm. the beginning, and Mm -hmm. maybe if I would have been smart enough to Google it, I would have gotten an idea of who he was. Right. But again, he was just like a cast member, and my contact's producers. I'm here to offer services, so I'm not there to dig around and try to find out, you know. But – um. But after the point, I guess my point being is when I did start to Google him, yeah, I mean, there's tons of information out there on the guy, uh, ranging from his Horatio Alger work, his cancer survivors. I mean, he's an an individual that uh, like Entertainment Tonight, and well, his wife was part of Entertainment Tonight. Um, You know, people that attracted, uh, you know, wanted to know about, you know, celebrities, lifestyles of the rich and famous sort of stuff, you know. And so he's been interviewed numerous times and he's done numerous TV things. And I mean, you can check out our uh, podcast with him on film. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he talks about his Gilligan Island uh, experience, um, all sorts of stuff. I mean, he's a humble guy, you know. Yeah. Uh, I actually didn't even meet him um, until probably two months into production. So, and it wasn't by, you know, I mean, I guess I could have said, oh, hey, I would love to meet Glenn. You know, he's going to be coming in. You know, he's the star. Because a lot of film officers do that, you know, and they yeah. get photos. Sure. But, uh but uh, you know, I figured the time would come. You know, when the time was right. And, it, you know, it wasn't needed to be prepped or anything like that. It would happen. And so it was fun to see the whole process happen and still not even knowing, you know, who the guy was.
0: Right. Or meeting him officially, I guess. I'm sure. You know. So um, you're behind the scenes, essentially coordinating all these folks that are from out of town, most of them being from LA or out West, um, some local people as well involved with all this. So there's a lot of moving parts that you're dealing with. And like you said, the last thing probably on your agenda is, Ooh, I want a selfie with the star, right? Right, You're you're making sure that the sites are set up for the shoots and you're making sure that the the camera folks and all the production people are fed and and you're providing resources Yeah, resources
1: for them to do that. I'm not actually doing that. You're not cooking at home for them? (laughs) Yeah, sure. So yeah, you you know, I mean, I'm just... Connected them with names and numbers. So they, but that was actually really exciting because they did bring in, I want to say, 30 outside creatives and house them locally. I mean, wow. that's what kind of gets me excited. Oh, you sure. know what I mean? I mean, I love to be a filmmaker and, uh, you know, uh, what have you. But when I see people come in and they're this size of production and they're going to be here for three months, uh, that's that's really cool. Yeah. You know, And not to mention, too, amongst the 30 outside people that came in. Uh, I have a list of 20 individuals who were hired throughout the um, production process. And, you know, uh, they have great stories that they moved on to for other production work, a lot of young people too. Um, and uh, that's, you know, that's that's the cool part about all of this happening also.
0: Yeah, I love it. I loved all the, you know, I saw a lot of these people and never really got to know them until I finally made, when the show wrapped up and said, so where are you from? and I remember realizing some of the folks that I had seen running audio, moving tripods around were Edinburgh University students or local kids, essentially, that were a part of this production crew. And that's been fun to follow them because now they're traveling around the country as part of other productions. So that's kind of a story in and of itself that this opportunity has given them locally, not only, like you said, sustaining the economy at all these folks in town that we're sleeping here, we're eating here, we're enjoying what Erie had to offer for three months. Right. But then you also had the folks that live here that are now getting to enjoy opportunities beyond Erie because of the show and your um, work. You need to get
1: uh Greg Huey, JJ. Yeah. And uh Jesus Munez on this show. And let Absolutely. them tell you about their story. I was their like that. main point of focus as far as my, you know, view uh, of two individuals who just like have skyrocketed. Oh yeah. Uh, I follow
0: them on uh you know on Facebook and every every time I open up the app, it's like, oh is somewhere different. Yeah. And Jesus is somewhere in different. Vegas for yeah. like two months yeah. or something like yeah. that. Yeah. You know? I'm yeah. a little bit of envy going on there. And yeah. here I am sitting across from you and doing a <laughs> podcast. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it was such a cool thing to see those guys move on. And um, so now that the show is it's gonna happen and uh it's it's March around the time, beginning of 2019. Um talk about, I guess, some of those early, you said, like, you're right, Erie's not the greatest place to be in March. Talk about some of the early, I guess, uh, struggles or early um, uh, aspects of this show kind of getting off the ground. You know, one of the first tasks they gave you was we want to meet a bunch of, you said, craftsmen people, marketing people. Um, What was all that like at the beginning? Because I have to imagine before you can even roll the film there was all kinds of other stuff that you had to tackle
1: uh well um when i was pitched the idea of the story american dream that basically glenn had wanted to look at three different industries as far as how he wanted to start out his business that being uh uh, beer uh silk screening some sort of like t-shirt works um and uh oh my god my my going blank uh beer t-shirt and uh Oh, good Lord. Barbecue. What am I saying? Yeah. Barbecue. Yeah, barbecue. Oh yeah. Barbecue. Yeah. <laughs> that one, <laughs> that whole thing. Right, right, right. Uh, and, uh, and the, the initial push was all about t-shirts and beer, hmm. you know, like barbecue was not in the equation whatsoever hmm. as far as like, you know, what the main focus was. And, uh, they wanted to know about all the local t-shirt people. And I, I didn't pulled no punch i introduced everybody across the board and this is something too i think at the film office which um you know we don't want to think that we place favorites or anything like that i mean we will go and we'll make announcements and we'll say hey are you interested in this because it is not that glamorous you know right. i mean it's fun to be involved with the project and the work process and what have you but it is hard work you know and it's a lot of thankless work And it's a lot of, you know, am I, you know, if you're somebody who thinks, what am I going to get out of this? And is it going to be financial and what have you? Maybe it's not for you. I mean, yes, finance does happen, but, um, you know, it's, it's just one of those things that you've got to have, you know, an open mind and just a willingness to, you know, do the work. Sure. That being said, uh, you know, I talked to a lot of people and, um, I introduced them initially to RJ Messenger um and you know rj is a character in himself to take one look at him yeah. yeah
0: you bet he is yeah
1: um i had worked with rj in the past on his ted talk and i helped produce that or i, I produced it with uh, jonathan da silva uh and um i want to say there was something else i can't think offhand, but um and so i was like look he owns a t-shirt company you should talk to this guy you know he's, he's super cool um and so uh Basically introduced to them, and of course, you know, they loved him. You know, they're like, this guy's a character, you know. I mean, uh, and he looks great on camera. Plus, he's got some background work in sure. the film, and he understands what's going on. Um, next, um, they wanted to meet veterans, you know. Um, and so, I introduced him to Matt Sanders. Um, again, I had worked with Matt in the past. Uh, Matt uh, is an arms specialist. You know, he's uh, worked as us for a feature film we shot called Unearth, um, which he was the armorer. Uh, he's, I've been out shooting with him. He makes you feel really safe and comfortable when you work with him. Uh, he has a business called Got Trigger. Um, and, uh, uh, so I introduced to him, to the group and they loved him too. Um, you know, uh, and these were just people that I felt were, you know, down to earth, hardworking people. Um, you know, I, I gotta say, I th- not, well, It always seems to be the individuals who have not less to lose, but easier to take more risk or more available time or they're in transition or something like that, where, you know, I don't know, they're not working a full time 40 hour job and they have the ability to kind of work on something like this. So all the people that were ended up calling were kind of like in this frame set. And I'm in the same world because I work in the freelance. So I don't know when my next job is going to be. I have to keep hunting it down, you know which is another story if we have time. And that was the whole Pittsburgh experience down there. Um, uh, But um, so, you know, I just kept introducing him to people, more people, more people. Um, You know, like I said, it was T-shirts and veterans because Glenn has, um, you know, great support and admiration for the armed forces. Um, And, you know, I stayed, you know, I wasn't like I was getting daily updates on what their activities were or anything like that. It's only if they hit a brick uh, wall or they needed assistance. Um, I do know, I forgot to mention that when they initially started filming on one of their scouting visits, you know, I went and I introduced them to the uh, county executive. We had meetings with them, with the mayor's office. I mean, we just met whole sorts of people were lined up just so that they could, you know, again, like I said, get a feel for the land and just meet people and see, you know, what avenue they wanted to take the show now this is scripted reality too which people yeah. need to keep in yeah, mind exactly. all right i right. mean this isn't like you know what is it that our house or not our house <laughs> the one on uh mtv the <coughs>
0: original oh the real world yeah real
1: world you. yeah i love that one yeah uh so this is scripted right and you know you gotta understand what that means um i'm not gonna get into that but uh so you know they went about you know finding a way for this guy to take $1 over 90 days and turn it into a million-dollar business, okay? That part I did understand, and that was part of the American dream thing too as far as their pitch. And so, you know, we met him to hardworking entrepreneurs who were wanted to take a risk.
0: Nice. Okay. Yeah. So you, you mentioned uh, brick walls that you, you may have hit. Do you remember in particular one, Along the way where they called you or notified you and you were like, oh boy, this this is going to be a challenge. What was the most challenging part of seeing this through for, from your end of thing? Do you remember?
1: Um, I would say initially is just the fact that they have this outside camera crew coming into town and people are like, we want you to open your doors up to them as a business and welcome this person mm, sure you no know? I mean they never really told me how many cameras you know one day it could have been one the next day it could have been three cameras but I do know that with production comes cameras and probably an additional sound person that comes with it so I mean it's it could be a floating crew of 10 to 15 to 30 people you know small documentary styles generally they try to keep it bare bones but one person's idea of bare bones you know mm-hmm. versus another so uh Having people say, yeah, come on in. So I do remember when he initially hit ground, it was like he wanted to start out as if he was almost homeless and had $1 in his pocket. And how would he start out? And according to the show, you know, he's sleeping in his truck outside here, which of course everybody questions that yeah, because right. <laughs> the temperature and it's where he's insane. parked yeah. and what have you, you know, uh, but um, honestly, I, I made calls to City Mission. I made calls to all sorts of the soup kitchens, uh, Emmaus. Uh, it was of St. Joseph's that finally said, hey, yeah, we would you know, like to help you out because I know the director or one of the assistants or somebody that works over there named Laura Caldwell. Great lady. She's a um, great. She's like volunteer of the year in Erie. Volunteer is the word I was looking for. Uh, Over at Sisters of St. Joseph's. And um, she said, yeah, sure. You know, because she's a friend of mine. She basically said, yeah, I'll take a shot. And so that was one of their first spots that they went to record at. Um, You know, and Glenn is shown uh, serving food alongside some other people. And he got a good taste of, you know, uh, uh, eerie. And you know the volunteer system and the you know economic. Uh, what am I trying to say? The the people that need, I guess, a little bit of help yeah. because um, even the
0: level of poverty that we yes, experience, yeah, level here. of poverty because
1: yeah. yeah, that's a disparity, and which we won't get into that. But as we all know, um, there is a huge economic disparity sure. in Erie, um, and uh, and so uh, that was uh, the, one of the, the hurdle was trying to get access because the thing is, is that these people these are Groups, you know, uh, Sister St. Joe that serve people in need. And Glenn isn't truly in need, you know what I mean? Or nor is any film crew running a documentary coming in in need. So, you know, they had requested, can he get a bed at, say, like, you know, the house, at one of the houses? Like, absolutely, not absolutely not, but just no, because he's not in need, you know. And, you know, he came at a cold time when there was need. Um, so that was a little bit of trick. You know, and uh, and he didn't actually, I think, stay um, at any of these uh, nonprofits, you know, like Sisters of St. Joe's. But he did help, you know, volunteer a lot and meeting people and and seeing how he could, you know, um, you know, find individuals who'd want to help him in his journey. Um, So I think he ended up staying at one of the hotels, which. It was funny. That was a funny story because they're calling me asking me about hotels and which ones. And I'm like, all right, so what level of, you know, disgusting do you want? <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, like you want super seedy or what have you. And uh, they listed off a few of them. And, um, and I was like, yeah, that one's that one's pretty bad. And then the funny thing was, is that the one that was the worst, which is Erie uh, Hotel, which is right up there on like 18th and State and Stass, is actually closed now. So I could say that one. <laughs> it's for sale. Yeah. Uh, but that one, I was like, yeah, you probably want to stay away from that one. But they called in numerous ones across the board. And, um, and they actually went, with, which I thought was a very nice, you know, it's a low, uh, modest, not modestly priced yeah. uh, uh, motel. Uh, And that was the Thunderbird. Yeah, I believe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which again, just even yesterday, I was working with Joe Mando on set on a commercial and Joe Mando is the son or nephew. I forget of the owner of the Thunderbird. And I met Joe because of Undercover Billionaire and the fact that you guys chose that hotel to uh, work at. And Joe ended up being a uh, production assistant on Undercover. yep. And now he's, you know, working under us on various projects.
0: Love it. That's a cool story. Wonderful. So, all right. So the show obviously, you know, rolls through, it takes about three months or so. You said it started in March, it wrapped up in June. Um, I guess let's fast forward a little bit to the moment when uh, you really received official word. I guess all of us kind of knew that Discovery was going to pick up the show and they were not going to call it American Dream. They were going to call it Undercover Billionaire. Perhaps that happened a little bit differently for you than it did for me. I'm not certain, but tell me about that that process and kind of what went through your head when you realized, okay, this is going to be a little bit bigger than maybe you had originally anticipated, or did you know all along this is going to be on a cable network?
1: Uh, No, that was, that was a big shocker. Okay. And yeah, that was very cool because, um, and then that's how the business works. You have a company that wants to make a show and they're hoping that on its merits that it will get sold, you know, and it'll get distribution and it'll get picked up. Um, and there was a form, not a formula put in place, but if you look at everyone's backgrounds and the producers that were involved, specifically like Tim Warren and Melinda Sia, you'll see that they've worked on some really nice award-winning material and projects and that they have the experience and they know what the hell they're doing. Um, and not to mention, you got Glenn involved, who is all about it. Um, you know, uh, I forget the story of how they all met, but, you know, it was, you know, one of these cosmic things that happens. It all just yep. lined up and yep. there it was, you yep. know. Um and so, uh, uh n- that was a big surprise to me, knowing that discovery picked it up because the press release went out, i want to say July first, yeah of right this past there. summer, sure. I was on my boat for 30 days Oh, geez. and it came out and basically I was like, this is totally awesome. You know, I was like thinking to myself, this is what hard work is. Okay. I mean, we never said no to any of the requests. We try to say fulfill them as much as we possibly could. And, and it was a huge, like, Oh my God, this is the biggest project we ever worked on. Now we're going to get international exposure. Uh, the show is all about Erie. The show is going to leave behind economic tourism, which now people find Erie as a destination point if they want to come – or if they watch the show and want to come hang out and check out Erie and undercover, uh, Underdog Barbecue. Um, I mean I'm like tearing up here because it's that's like cool. this is this – is, was one of the most perfect models that could have been made for uh, an example for a film office and, and how that's how it works. Hopefully we'll be able to duplicate it, but, uh, it was, you know, for our first time out and I don't say first time out, but for one of our bigger projects that we've experienced over the last five years as a film office, this was a huge grand slam home run.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more And and like you said, what a great thing for Erie because, uh, Erie has been on the, the media map, if you will, for different things over the years, uh, and not positive. Right. We don't need to get into all of them, but, uh, you know we have a Netflix show about Erie we have some pizza s- bomber, pizza bomber right. absolutely. Uh, I don't want to promote it in any way. Yeah. Uh, I, I did watch it like three times through but it was uh, good yeah, it was yeah. good, very well done. Uh, and we were in the, the the media spotlight several years ago during the presidential election where we got some negative yeah. publicity. So when I heard about this and knew what I was involved with, I thought, mm-hmm. oh man, this could either be really good for Erie or it could also be bad if it, if it paints a bad picture because you, you lose control a little bit of how, how they're going to edit everything. You know, They shoot all this wonderful footage and then they go off and they, they can tell the story they want. So I couldn't be more proud of the, of the final product. I think it's great for Erie. And like you said, people are coming to Erie. I've met a few folks at the restaurant, Underdog Barbecue, who have literally said, we planned a trip around coming to the restaurant then going to presco then then checking out some of the local businesses that were featured on the show then looking and seeing where glenn even some one person i met went to the soup kitchen they wanted to see maybe even volunteer i never found out which they maybe chose to do but exactly right. from the show and i was so cool to hear that they, that it has become kind of a destination for people so what a great you know project for you guys to be a part of and uh and you really executed on all of this. And the first time I met you and even really started to understand what the film office did was at the premiere party. So this was early August when episode one was about to air. And you hosted a really great event at the Bourbon Barrel. You were the MC. You had the cast, like myself and some of the other folks on the stage to kind of do a and a That, that was, had to have been a great fun. night for you. Yeah, that was yeah. awesome. That had to been totally a great night for awesome. you. It was a great night for me. I'm not like really into the whole, hey, stand up on the stage and, and have – a microphone in your face, but uh, here I am with a microphone in my face. Because yeah, nor of, am I too, right. but I
1: mean, there was no alternative. Exactly.
0: <laughs> and it was such a cool event. Right. Um, so talk about that moment, what it meant for you personally, because obviously you're, you're emotionally attached to this as well, but yeah. to see all those folks there that were friends and family of the cast and even just local business owners and people that supported the show, take us back to that because that was something they never, a lot of people, unless they looked on Facebook, never knew that that party happened. Right. So tell us about that night.
1: Uh, that was a great night. Um, you know, uh, everyone was kind of worried because, I mean, you guys were like forced together as a team. Okay. And lots of different personalities, you know what I mean? And, uh, and organizing the night, um, was, you know, fairly pretty simple. I mean, it's just like, come on down, show up, have, have some food, have some drink. Uh, you're going to be, you know, Q and a, uh, but you know, we tried to make it as painless as possible And um, we were down to Bourbon Barrel, which is a great location to host any event in Erie. And, uh, you know, I don't like getting up in front of crowds so much, you know, like, but this is just something that now has become a passion of mine that it's like I can sit here and kind of talk about stuff. And, you know, I wouldn't say I'm a great orator or anything by far, but I mean, I really, I spent probably about a week preparing the speech that I was going to write my words. And I wanted to be very thorough without boring the hell out of everybody <laughs> and not be redundant and just, you know, get to the points. And it was all about economic stimulating the community. Sure. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I mean, everyone showed up. Everyone was in great spirits. I met people that um, I didn't even know were on the show, yeah. you know, that ended up being like main characters, Christine, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it was just – it was a great night. Um, we streamed it. Uh, that was cool. Rob Frank came in with all of his gear and stuff and took yeah. care of that. Um, yeah, it was up on the big screen there. Uh, I, and it was, it was cool because, uh, I had seen, I think two clips. I saw a promo prior and then there was the St. Patrick's day, uh, sequence with uh, RJ selling swag on the streets, mm-hmm. which was pretty funny. Um, mm-hmm. uh, that was not in the first episode of memory serves. Right. Um, but uh, so that was kind of cool too. But um, yeah, it was just, it was a great experience at night. You know, I think everyone had fun. Uh,
0: Definitely. You know? Yeah. I had a blast for sure. So as the season went on and you were watching, um, what was the most surprising thing that you saw during those eight episodes you know, because at this point now you're on your couch and you're just a consumer of the show. You put in the work and you're like, oh, I remember how much work went into getting them on, on that site or on that scene. But when you're watching the show now, like, you know, it's like almost like the artist wa- looking at the painting. What was like the most the most shocking thing that you remember watching during that season that you're like, oh, I didn't see that coming or didn't know all that went down?
1: Um. Mm, well, You know, you got to drive the show along, okay? And it's scripted reality, okay? And there were some, what I would call, uh, uh, scripted reality scenes. Sure, sure. Where, you know, like he's selling the car or uh, uh, the house. I don't know how to say about the house. Like everyone wants to question the house or something like that. But he went in there and he renovated the place. So, I mean, I don't know what to tell you about that. But, um, you know, there were the push to turn stuff over. Like people say digging for tires and, you know, and finding that, you know. You know this they're just trying to make a show here, you yeah. know, and if you get past all that little scripted stuff and get to the core of the show, you actually see where the what the story it's telling and that it's got a great outlook and great people are working in it, and what have you but at first, a lot of people had problems with that because getting back to what you had said was that what are they gonna do with this show? how are they gonna paint us? There was a huge well I wouldn't say huge there was a few people with huge vocal cords. That uh, kind of openly protested the show and the the need to help support it in Erie, uh, said it was a sham and what have you. And, you know, that was kind of like, you know, one, you know, keep your comments to yourself if you don't have anything nice to say. Uh, But two, I knew our hard work had paid off. Um, And that was actually what happened that when they announced it with the press release July 1st, because I was on the boat and in the first two days was like, oh, this is so great. You know, we're celebrating. And then all of a sudden the shit storm hit and I'm on a boat floating in the middle of, you know, and I've got people texting me and I have. I'm in Canada, so I have to get a separate phone line, Sure, you know, and this was a bit of an issue technologically because no one knows who my, what my phone number is in Canada, but they're getting these texts and it was like a bit of a, and then I'm getting all the board members are kind of like, what's going on here? Why are people getting upset about the show? The mayor's office isn't even supporting it at first, which was really, you know, it was like, come on guys, what's going on here? Because nobody knew what the shape was but because a few people were like what the hell you know Mm -hmm. uh it it set a tone initially um and you know my only thing was we haven't even watched one you know square second of footage and everyone's kind of freaking out i was like we just let the show play out because i mean i hate to say it in like a year we're gonna be on to something else sure we're gonna move on sure not but except in this case the restaurant was here in, in that aspect but um But yeah you know i mean there's going to be another series coming along i mean the attention span of of viewership you know is
0: like very short (laughs) sure uh so uh yeah i mean uh, yeah yeah so you really weren't shocked by any single episode but you were pleasantly surprised that the show the way it played out was not susceptible to too much criticism you none know.
1: whatsoever yeah. i would say and the things that people were criticizing about was like you know that's how production goes in scripted reality yeah. tv i mean you just don't understand that right. or or you're pretty narrow minded and you're just like kind of being a jackass right so uh i was impressed by the fact that the I mean, something that surprised me, I wasn't say shocked, but I mean, they really did cover their bases and, and interview a lot of people when they were scouting out which industry they wanted to go into. Because like I said, barbecue was not in the plan initially. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the beer thing, if as you watch the show, uh, did not pan out, but then they ended up shifting gears and going into barbecue. So, you know, a lot of people were like up in arms like, oh, they said they weren't going to do this and now they're doing this. And I was like... You know if you think back on the timeline and knew the facts of what happened you know that's the kind of phone calls i got you know they, they found out they couldn't get their liquor license in time to be able to package alcohol and so they called me up and they're like "Stu, we need to shift gears who else can we call and i'm like call this person over at this barbecue place call this person you know here 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 and it's those people that picked up the phone and returned phone calls um that you know they uh, uh were spotlighted or highlighted on the show in some aspect and, and got involved and you know, if you didn't call them back, then, well, you didn't get involved, right, you know. Right. So, uh but that was cool, you know, seeing all the beer people come together. Because that was like a real, everyone was rooting for the beer, man. I mean, yeah, I know. It's like, they were. Kohler beer, bring back some eerie beer. I, mean, right. I don't mean to bring back, I mean, cause obviously we have this huge, huge uh, uh beer. Uh, Local on, breweries. Yeah, yep. exactly. Yeah. Uh, and they do an outstanding job. And they're spotlighted in the in the yep. show, you know. I mean, yep. that's the way, that was the magic of Glenn, too. Um, is that he was able to take lemons and make lemonade in the fact that if he wanted to work with you, he would find a way to make it happen and make it amicable and, and be like, you know, okay, I don't want to piss you guys off in the in the beer business. Um, I want to include you, so let's make sure your beer gets into the restaurant. Yeah. You know what I mean?
0: Totally, yeah. So so and then there's
1: a lot more to it than that, and I'm I'm painting wide strokes here, but – yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, the show was great and I enjoyed it. And At the end of the day, if I don't encounter too many people anymore that are skeptical, a lot of people question the little nuances of like, well, how did that happen? Or how could he have used a fake name? And I'm like, look, if you watch any reality TV, this this was a great firsthand account of how it probably works. You know, like you said, scripted reality. And I think the more people educate themselves on that, the more they're going to be graceful about, okay, well, it was still scripted reality and maybe some of it wasn't you know, as perfect as they would like it to be as far as, you know, realistic. But at the end of the day, I I keep telling people like it was good for Erie. Now that the production crew and everything is gone, like you said, we're moving on to the next series and whatever else there were jobs created here. There was money that was brought to the city. There were relationships that were forged. I mean, I I didn't even know who you were before the show. Exactly. you Uh, You know, my story personally wouldn't have happened probably if it weren't for this opportunity. And, that, that's the thing that, that there were a lot of benefits that go beyond just the, the, the television show. Yeah,
1: which show. we saw on the four, you know, the, the four sides.
0: Exactly. The frame. Right. So uh, it, it was a wonderful experience. And um, yeah, I, I, I wanted to have you on here because I wanted people to know how involved – you were and what you do and what you did for film here in erie so i thank you very much for for basically you are pretty much the reason this show came with a big reason this show came to erie so we appreciate all your hard work tell us now about a little bit more about uh, as we wrap things up what what you're doing next what are you working on you said you spent some time in pittsburgh what makes you excited these days that uh, post undercover billionaire
1: uh uh, thank you very much, first of all. But um, uh, yeah. So I just spent uh, 28 days on a feature film that was shot down in Pittsburgh called Dear Zoe. Uh, it starred uh, Sadie Sink and Theo Rossi. Sadie is the uh, redhead in Stranger Things, Mad Max, and Theo. If you've watched uh, Sons of Anarchy, is Juice. Um, uh, it also uh, had uh, uh, Justin Barth, who is Doug from The Hangover, and he was in uh, National Treasure. Um, and a couple other actresses or actors, excuse me. Um, uh, uh, and so um, we had what, I got into this position because I initially had applied through Staff Me Up and I was just shooting my name out there to any project in the tri-state area that I could get some work at. Cause I want to just venture out and like kind of just start working on the road. You know, I got the okay from the wife, you know and what have you, and she's all for it. So um, uh, I, I applied. I applied to this one position, which was just for a production assistant for about eight days. And basically what was an eight day project turned into 28 days. Cause they decided not to go back to California to finish it, just to stay in Pittsburgh. And instead of being a production assistant, they asked me to come on as their camera utility in the camera department. Um, and I, of course I'm like, yes, 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 of course I will. And hell yeah, I'll stay 28 days. So because this was a union job, I am now, or have been, uh, accumulating my union days so that I can join your International Cinematography Guild Local 600 and uh, become active member of the ICG, uh, which is, I think, is awesome, you know? I mean, it uh, it means more experience, um, more work, uh, better work, I would say, you know, um, or hitting the big leagues, you know, kind of what have you. And um, Pittsburgh right now is booming with production. Um, besides Dear Zoe, um, they were filming uh, two other features, and they're into another project, which was Jason's uh, Momoa project called uh, Sweet Girl. Um, Pittsburgh, I mean, they're just booming down there. There's so much work, and I'm jealous for the city of Erie of how much work is going on in Pittsburgh because it's ridiculous that we don't have something up here filming. And I say this to our uh, our politicians and our mayor's office and our county executive. We need to support film production in Erie. Um, And we just need to sit down and talk about things and figure out how we can make this happen. But but there needs to be a push and some support uh, for uh, infrastructure and and some capital uh, equipment and things like that. Certainly. but um but yeah it was a great experience and because of that I'm joining the union um you know I met a boatload of people from Pittsburgh uh that how you know I think or how things should be done up here in Erie to emulate what they were doing um for services you know all sorts of stuff so uh, it was just a tremendous experience and now since that has wrapped I'm actually just taking a short break here because it was 28 intensive days where we basically worked minimum 12-hour days I mean we were pulling in lots of hours and it was, you know, a sure. great experience and Kay was awesome. Good. Yeah. Uh and uh and so now I'm just going to catch up with January 1st. I'm back at it hopefully hunting down some, you know, more feature films, um, you know, working in the union uh, officially uh and uh, you know, seeing what happens.
0: That's great. What a cool opportunity for you. And uh you mentioned support. How can people uh, locally or maybe regionally or nationally, whoever might you know, stumble upon this this podcast, how can they get to know more about what you're doing at the film office here in Erie and, and maybe even jump on board to get involved?
1: Um, if anybody ever wants information on the Film Society of Northwestern Pennsylvania, we have our film our, our website, uh, filmsocietynwpa.org. Of course, we're all over Facebook as the Greater Erie Film Office. You can also find us at filmoffice.com. Uh, excuse me, filmoffice.com. <laughs> Scratch that out. It's ErieFilm.com. Got it. Film Office. I wish we had. I was film gonna say, that Office, I, when God, I heard you say that, I thought, nice. Number. They landed a pretty good domain <laughs> there. That'd be really nice. <laughs> uh, and on Facebook, of course, you can find us on uh, Greater Erie Film Office and the Film Society also. Great. And if you, of course, you know, we'll take donations. Yeah, you know, right, right. Anything people want to do, but mostly, uh, if people want to get involved in Want to meet us? um, We have our centerpiece program, Film Grain, which I talked about earlier. Um, I highly recommend people checking that out.
0: Master Podcast.
1: Uh, no, that's, that's, well, we have our podcast yeah. too, but that's our uh film series at the Bourbon Barrel. Oh, right, 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 right. right. Film. Group. And
0: your podcast, they can find that just on. uh That can anywhere. find that through the
1: connections cool. too on the, on the website that I just said, filmsociety.nwpa.org. Um, there's links and all the good stuff on there.
0: Wonderful. Yeah. And go back and find the episode where you sat down with Glenn Stearns and his wife, Mindy, right after the show wrapped up Uh great episode there. We get to meet some of the folks involved with the show. Stu, thank you for your time. Thanks for telling us. All the the behind-the-scenes stuff, even stuff I wasn't even aware of. Super cool perspective you had in this whole process. Thanks for what you're doing here in Erie. And uh, yeah, we're looking forward to season two, right? (laughs) All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening to another episode of The Underdog Podcast, where we tell the stories uh, from the show, Undercover Billionaire. And we appreciate everybody's time today. And we'll chat soon again. Tune in next time when we tell the stories of the less likely achieving the most definitely on The Underdog Podcast.